You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me as she is every single week, the wonderfully digitized Christy Morris. Hey, yeah, we're, uh, you know, in this whoa, whoa, world whoa, now. Whoa, 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 What happened to your British accent? Oh, uh, yeah, I turned off the filter. Sorry. Dang it. I, I know, thought, now you I, don't know who it is. I, I thought you were British. Nope. Dang it. Australian. Oh, yes, that's that. That's the twang I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really excited to be back. It's uh, it's really fun that we're having new movies to be able to go see in the theater. And uh, we're going to be talking about Free Guy. Uh, before we get there, of course, just a huge thank you to everybody who's listening. Really appreciate you downloading the show and taking a listen to us. And uh, if you haven't before, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're getting your podcasts, and that way you'll get the show as soon as it drops. Also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can help us grow, help the show continue to find more people, give us a star rating review there. It really does help the show get to a larger audience, uh, and then we read those reviews out on the podcast here, so feel free to do that for us. Uh, you can also find us all over the place. We'd love it if you would follow us over on Twitter, at the 602 Club. And then, of course, we're also on Instagram, where you can follow us there. We have a lot of fun doing stuff, at the 602 Club TFM. You can also find us online, at Trek.FM, where you can find all the shows here we're doing. Uh, we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek.FM, and then the listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference on Facebook allows you to talk to listeners from all the world, so you can join that as well. And possibly, you know, people still every once in a while like to send us emails when we love getting emails. So go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, and choose the 602 Club, and then that email comes to Christy and I. And last but not least, we do want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, and Daniel Noah. Um, they make sure that the 602 Club, as well as the network, keeps coming to you. And in all honesty, guys, um, you know, you might, maybe you skip this part uh, of the podcast, but we absolutely could use your help. Um, there's just no way that we can continue this network without listeners just like you. And so please go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can be part of the team uh, and, and make sure that all of the content we've got coming to you keeps coming. Um, and that we can actually grow. Um, if you want more shows on the network, the only way we can do that is if we have the money to make sure that happens. So again, that's patreon.com slash Trek FM. So Christy, uh, one of the things that was interesting, uh, and obviously from the trailers, we knew this was going to be a video game movie. It was going to be, you know, something that was about video games. And I wanted to ask you, you know, there's a really interesting history. Obviously, there's lots of movies that are made from video games, like Tomb Raider. Mm -hmm. But then there are movies that are kind of about video games. And I, I kind of like thinking about like Scott Pilgrim or maybe Wreck-It Ralph or even you know, Ready Player One. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so I just kind of wanted to know, you know, as we were heading into this one, what your relationship with those type of movies were. And, you know, did that leave you excited coming into Free Guy? Or did you just see the trailer and think, oh, that might be good? I, I'm kind of wondering where you were coming into this one. Because, you know, it's it's also not something that's based off of anything other than something that we kind of know as a, your generation, my generation, you know, uh, of video games. Right. Yeah. I liked it um, initially the premise a little better than some of the stuff they did with like Wreck-It Ralph because Wreck-It Ralph, I felt like they tried so hard to get the licensing capabilities to include a lot of references to specific mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. you know, like Hubert, Pac-Man, sure, whatever. Sure. Whereas this movie doesn't do that. And I so I do automatically like that better that it's about a video game world, but it's not one specific game or a lot of direct references. It's just, you know, some things that a lot of video games have in common. Um, And then two, I was a little hesitant about this movie initially because I worried that it was going to be all world building without the actual good story to be the meat of it and have more to do. Um, But we'll see, you know, if I ended up thinking that it, did that or not yeah no i think that's all really valid in in the sense that like you know and for me personally coming in you know i love scott pilgrim versus the world but i wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. i know people love the movie but i wasn't a huge fan of wreck it ralph personally and Mm -hmm. you know we've we talked about uh ready player one the book uh, mm-hmm. with John Mills here on the show. And, you know, I have an interesting history with that book and the movie I can't stand, personally. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's visual trash. Um, it's but just, the book, oh, so good. And I know people love the book, uh, you know, and I the, the book is definitely better than movie, that's for sure, as as most, mm-hmm. you know, book adaptations and, and movies go when it comes to their source material. But, um, you know, I think... You know, coming into this one, I think the thing that was interesting about it was it's not a property. Like you said, it's not based off any one specific type of thing. It's just kind of based mm-hmm. off of the idea of like games that we, you know, kind of know of as a reference, like a Sim City or, you know, a Grand, Theft Grand Theft Auto. Auto. Exactly. Yep. Which is, you know, to, to kind of do that. But also, you know, I mean, it, it felt familiar, this idea of, like, somebody kind of gaining sentience, you know, and all these kind of things. Like, it's, it, it felt like a lot of things that I've seen before, but, again, it's it's a new property. It, it, we're not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just a straight-up video game adaptation like a Tomb Raider or something like that or, you know, uh, Mario Brothers back in the day, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so... I I mean, coming into this one, I was really interested and excited, honestly, because the trailer looked like so much fun. And this mm-hmm. looked like kind of the perfect place to kind of be putting Ryan Reynolds and his kind of persona into. And so, yeah, I mean, to have a video game movie that we were coming into, I was just really, uh, honestly, I have to say I was excited for this movie in a way that, with some of the other movies that we've gone to see here in the theater recently, I was actually more excited about Free Guy than I was about some of those other movies, which kind of shocked me. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, you know, if you like Ryan Reynolds, you know, he has that sass about him. So you're like already kind of wrapped up into, ooh, what's this going to be when you see that he's the lead character? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. So um, what's fascinating about the movie to me was that I found it to be much more deep than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like I was not expecting to get a lot out of this thematically. And yet I, I feel like there's actually a lot here, which was great. And one of the things that I really liked was this whole idea of that love is all you need, you know? And I really liked that love is what kind of opens the door for Guy to evolve. That Ryan Reynolds' character, you know, love opens his eyes to the world and it makes him a better person and it transforms him and it helps him then transform other lives in the way that, only love can do. And I thought, mm-hmm. I was just struck immediately by how beautiful that was in that this idea of opening somebody's eyes, it wasn't just about like this story about Guy evolving for himself, but for mm-hmm. the benefit of others. It's because he's loves this other person, but also that love inspires him to help other people find themselves, to love themselves, and then yeah. to love other, you know, like, it, it just, it, it's this, it it really kind of felt like the ripple in the pond, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that you brought that up, because if you think about it in terms of what love can do for a person, whether it's, you know, friendly love or romantic love, it's something that it, they said in the notebook, it awakens the soul. And, you know, it can be like a catalyst to changing a person for the better. Um, and for him, it was like, that was just some idea out there in the universe that sounded great, but that he never really thought was possible for himself. And so he just always lived every day the same, hoping that one day he would find it. And then he's like struck by her, you know just happens to come across her, but it changes him. And then he immediately is like, I've got to know this person. And that's what is the catalyst that then causes him to grow. And then, like you said, to then want to bring other people into feeling the same way, just in a different sort of format. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he decides to try and tell the truth to his friend, Buddy, by sharing glasses with him and being like, we can be just like the glasses people. Do whatever you want. Well, and what I liked, you said something there too about how, you know, it, it, there's, there's the different types of love, right? And we're not Mm -hmm. saying that one is necessarily better than the other because one of the loves that comes across big time here is the love between friends with Guy and Buddy. Mm -hmm. And the idea of like, you know, when they're having that conversation in Buddy's house and he said, like, I'm just a guy trying to help my friend get through a tough time what could be more real than that you know yep and so and it is that love and that relationship that helps that grow it's the one thing it's it is that thing that consistent love that guy continues to have for buddy that kind of transforms buddy in the end right um, mm-hmm. and, you know, helps him continue to follow his friend and help his friend when he needs it. Um, but it, again, it's that thing that which, yeah, guy is, there's this 
explosion that happens in him where he all of a sudden just like his eyes are open and he begins to evolve and that evolution uh, brings him to a place that's not just about him. And I thought that was really, really important. Like so much of the things that we see in our world and, and I see uh, even in our entertainment is really about you have to find yourself and it's about everything for you. And yet Mm -hmm. that's not what happens to guy. It's not just about him and his love that he has for Millie, right? It's about the love that he has for the world that he lives in, you know, and the people Mm -hmm. that are in that world. Like it's so much more than just about him. And I thought that was such, again, like it was a fantastic message for the world we're in where I feel like, you know, everything is about me and how it affects me. And it's just me, 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 me. And, but what about we as all of us? And, and mm-hmm. I just, I, it, I mean, I know I'm kind of going on and on, but it was just, I was not expecting that to happen with this movie whatsoever. Yeah. I think that those are the things that make it so interesting and that, you know, take it above just being another video game movie or a, you know, movie about AI or whatever. It's these human elements to it that then, mm-hmm give it a much deeper story. So yeah, I know I'm with you. And I loved too when, you know, the uh, guy comes into the bank to rob them with the girl by his side. And mm-hmm. he ends up even talking to her and saying, you can do so much better than him. Or really, I mean, you don't even need him or any other guy, you know, do whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like that being, you know, your own person does not require you to to be what somebody else thinks that you should be, you know? Like, right. Yeah, or to all... be in a relationship to mm-hmm. be of value. Yeah. 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 Well, and also, as he was saying to her, you know, don't be in a relationship that is taking more than it's giving. Don't be in a relationship yeah. that is keeping you stagnant in the sense of like that they're keeping you down. You know, don't be in yeah. a relationship that is not making you the best version of you, which then should be, and and again, this is where the kind of the beautiful thing is like, it's not just about you, but like if, if somebody is keeping you down and, and making you the worst version of yourself, that worst version of yourself can't help pe- other people be the best versions of themselves, right? Like, right. And so again, there's this kind of like circular cyclical thing about this whole uh, relationship idea is that we help one another get better as we move forward um, and we continue to spur each other on to be the best versions of ourselves. And by doing that, it creates this feedback loop for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's just something that's really fantastic. And, you know, the other big thing that I noticed with that was they're saying subtly in this movie that, all people are in that game to do specifically because it's free world or free city or whatever um, is to be able to, to be free to do whatever they would like to do. But I like how it kind of parallels what they explore in Westworld even of sometimes that weighs heavily in the direction of violence and Mm -hmm. bad behavior and like really horrible behavior. Yeah. And, and that it's, strange that that seems to be the way that tips the scale often 
yep. more than not with humanity. They lean toward these kind of reckless behaviors than doing good. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with what you're saying because I, I really, I was thinking about that that same idea as well um, and the way in which it really, you know, obviously Guy is an NPC and, you know, NPCs are are meant to be able to do whatever you want to in a video game, right? And really, in the end, what this movie is saying is there are no NPCs in life. And what the movie is really kind of pointing us to the fact is that these games give us this place to be able to kind of dehumanize people and things um, in a way that is dangerous because that does spill out then into the rest of life. And just like you said, absolutely. That's the theme that, you know, you really get, and especially in that first season of Westworld, um, mm-hmm. you know, and You, what I loved in this movie is how you actually kind of see that in Antoine as a person, and even the side, his sidekick Mouser to an extent, right? Um, mm-hmm. They don't, they don't see people as having value. Their only value comes from how they can service them, you know, yeah. and what good they are to them. And there is such a danger of seeing people that way only transactionally what are you going to give me you know and um that allows us very easily to to devalue people completely um and Mm -hmm. you know and there's such a danger with that so i i'm so glad you brought that up because it was another really strong theme in this movie and again you know like i Look, it's not as in-depth as something like Westworld, but the fact that they are touching on that at all in this movie, it's such a big thing. Because, again, I think we do see that in our world way too much. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, people constantly can treat others like they're background characters that can be done with, you know, however you want. And that there are some people that are given value and others not, and that's not fair. And that in general, we need to treat all people with value and that there should be more encouragement Mm -hmm. of treating people with kindness rather than like you can do whatever you want to people and they don't matter. You know, because that's a that's the thing, you know, it's easy for us in our brain to create NPCs all around us, right? You know, the people we see at the store, yeah. you know, the people we see on television in another country, in our own country, you know, to be able to kind of like label them almost as like people that just are not important to us and it doesn't really matter. And mm-hmm. that there is a such a danger in that because we are all people created with a purpose and yeah, I might not know you and you might not know me, but that doesn't mean you don't have value, right? And right. so how we value other people um, shows in the way that we act. And obviously, you know, this movie has a nice dichotomy between somebody like Antoine and, and somebody like Guy. 
And the funny thing is, is obviously, you know, Guy isn't even a quote unquote real person, right? You know, mm-hmm. and and um, what we see is that um, somebody in the real world just kind of acting like a, you know, a huge jerk. And I, I again, I'm just, I'm so surprised that this movie has so much to say that's so relevant. Mm-hmm. And that maybe you can get ahead in the world by being nice to people rather than just shooting everyone and taking their money. <laughs> yeah. No, and as I, the I, game I, says. <laughs> exactly. Like, I appreciate you saying that. Like, m- the whole idea of this this movie is that maybe the best way to get further in life is not to step on other people, but to lift mm-hmm. other people up. Yeah. You know? And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, the um, other thing that I really wanted to tell you that I noticed was, uh, and I don't know if you felt the same way, but aside from that being the biggest theme, I think, I also noticed that it seemed to be kind of saying, don't live every day the same. Um, that basically, life is so fleeting that if you get stuck in this loop of doing the same routine every single day and never doing anything different, never trying, you know, a different career or a new hobby or something, that all of a sudden your life can be over and you're sitting there wondering what you spent all your time doing that you thought was so important. So, yeah, I I really kind of got that from this as well, especially with Guy saying, you know, every day he does these things and they even illustrated it with a loop of the same yep. activities every day. Yeah, you know, I, I I do like that. You know, this idea of, you know, not taking every day for, for granted um, and, mm-hmm. and treating each day as it's its own day, you know. And, you know, I, I think... That is something that's really important and definitely difficult for so many of us because, you know, so much of our life is about being in a routine, you know, Mm -hmm. of going to work and, you know, getting up and then, you know, doing this and doing that, you know, we, we might even eat the same things most days, you know, with our sack lunches or whatever. And I think, you know, there really is something to be said about this idea of how is, how is your involvement in each moment, because it is unique, how then can you remember that and and take hold of each of these moments and, and, you know, make them special, you know, not just for you, but Mm -hmm. for, again, the people around you, right? You know, the people you interact with at work and at school and, you know, in all of these places, you know, from going to the coffee shop to, I mean, all of these type of things. And so, I definitely agree with you. I'm glad that you thought of that because it wasn't something that had come to mind immediately. But I absolutely think Mm -hmm. that it's a pivotal part of, you know, what this movie is trying to say to everyone. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know if like you got that vibe at all, but that was something I kind of picked up on. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask um, for you, you know, so the, the movie's story is that two of our main characters, Walter or, or Keys and Millie, had created this this video game world, and, and their creation was that the characters in their world were going to be able to evolve 
Um, mm-hmm. Basically, it was going to be an AI that would just continue to learn and to grow and that people would be able to be a part of, that we in the real world could be in a part of and be able to interact and kind of experience this together in kind of more of a, a utopia setting, you know, like a paradise in, instead of what it becomes. And then somebody steals that and uses it to create free city. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would, I just wonder there just story wise how did you how did that all work for you did were did you by especially by the end were you satisfied with the story did you feel like this was a good setup not only you know for this film did you see maybe even any because i've heard the talk about a sequel like would you want a sequel I'm, I'm really interested in that um i think that there's possibly room for a sequel but i'll get to that in a minute um i i think that this idea is a really great one, especially when you're trying to do a video game movie. I think that you need something like that to tie it together. Um, Because for example, if you know anything about games and code and stuff like that, that like it makes sense when Millie later mentions he forgot to scrub the reflections Mm -hmm. that, you know, there could be these remnants that someone might miss if they're not super familiar um, and I, I like that they make it easy for like the lay person to understand as well. So you could go, oh, okay. They're literally showing you a reflection. Um, but yeah. And I like that it's that parallel of saying sort of, it was this perfect creation that then got twisted into something bad. Did you feel that way too? Yeah, no, I I really liked. Uh, so, I thought it was really interesting as a way to build a story. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things about the movie and the story was, like you said, it was simple enough to be able to understand and just complex enough. Um, you know, to to kind of like obviously we're playing with almost a sci-fi idea that you know these these AI characters could could become sentient you know it's almost mm-hmm. a, a star trekky type idea but the one thing that i really appreciated and i didn't know necessarily how they were going to handle this is you know are you going to make this one of the things where you know is it are we going to try and insert real people into this world, you know, um, and that that's where mm-hmm. we're going to go with this or, you know, how, how are we going to handle that part? Especially since, you know, the whole thing with the trailers, the idea of like kind of her meeting this guy and, you know, all this stuff. And all this. there was a part of me that was a little worried about that idea of, you know, how are we going to kind of merge these two worlds? And is this going to kind of be a thing where, somebody's going to get inserted into, you know, the digital world and, you know, like, what are Mm -hmm. we going to do with all that? Um, So I really appreciate that they didn't go that route. Um, And therefore, uh, they, I think they did something that was, was much smarter and much better in the film. Um, And so they allowed that the video game world and the real world to stay separate. Right. And not like letting Millie have to become part of the game because yep. she fell for Guy. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I instead, been it encourages like, eh. you. It encourages you instead to live in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even telling you to play less video games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and you know, we have our tie 
of that the 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 video game world was inspired by the real world mm-hmm. you know and it was you know their whole idea of creating that per, kind of perfect world was to see like how people would evolve and like give ai the chance to evolve and maybe show us something interesting and something different and you know different than our own world you know and that mm-hmm. you know the whole idea of that people don't want that or any of those kind of things like the people wouldn't be interested in that you know um and, and that's why you know you get antoine coming in with this whole new thing of what he thinks people want um so yeah i i agree with you i i think that the the story really worked and it they did a great job with it um to kind of craft a whole new world um you know and 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 how this works mm-hmm. um i also i i'm not sure about a sequel and how that would work i feel like to me that uh this movie perfectly exists uh, by itself and it doesn't need any i don't need more honestly mm-hmm. um uh, so I I think I don't know. I, do you feel that way, uh, or or would you want to see more? I guess like there is that curiosity I have about what would life be like now that they've got this newly merged kind of world mm-hmm. where it's a bit of the old and a bit of the new. But I do think, like you were saying, that the story itself is really wrapped up nicely the way it is. Sure. So it. You know, I don't know that they would have that much to go on mm-hmm. to make another really good story. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I guess that's just kind of what worries me. Like, how do you expand the story to make yeah. it, you know, it, it feel interesting, like that we need to come back to this. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, and I guess kind of to ruin some things in the end i feel like the story resolves to a point where i feel satisfied for yeah. all the characters like i don't feel like i'm wondering oh what, what you know like it it's mm-hmm. it, it, your idea of like a what is the merge world look like you know it's more of a great thought experiment to me than something i actually feel like i need to see right the only thing i could think that might possibly be a good premise for a sequel would be if the focus is on Millie and Keys and maybe like they make the next step in their life and somehow that involves Guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You could definitely do something like that. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to say you can't do it because I kind of thought the same thing about mm-hmm. uh, A Quiet Place. Like, how do you and hey totally showed me that you can really do that so mm-hmm. um you just got to be careful with it not yeah. make it a cash grab it, <laughs> absolutely absolutely so i i wanted obviously we talked a little bit about ryan reynolds but you know uh, being guy and he's kind of the main draw here and so what did you end up thinking of his portrayal of you know this character who kind of basically you know fully comes to life So the biggest thing that I'm always worried about now, even though I love Ryan Reynolds and I have to watch everything with him in it, um, is that he's going to become like an actor that always plays himself rather than really becoming a character. But I do think he really became this role and did his best to step out of that more and 
you know, it, I mean, I think you see that through most of the first three quarters of the movie that he doesn't really lean into the joke till later. So I was kind of glad for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that he he balances really well off of Jodie Comer as Millie. Um, and then, too, uh, with, um, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Lil Rel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Buddy. Um and I think that it works, you know, like you and I've said before, it works best sometimes having a small cast because then it's a mm-hmm. lot more of a character yep. study. Yep. You know, I, I like that you said that about him. You know, obviously, Ryan Reynolds definitely in many ways is one of those actors who kind of plays a version of himself or kind of what we think of as being him, you know, in his personality. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that he did a great job and this is where I almost feel like he did the same kind of thing that Will Ferrell did in Elf where he has that (laughs) that version of innocence about him where like he's just Mm -hmm. like he doesn't know any better you know just like Elf and it's not until that moment where like the world explodes and then I thought he did it because he he tr- he has a couple of different versions of himself that he plays. He plays that guy, then he plays the guy who's just really excited about the entire world and everything that's happening to him, and then he plays the guy who gets cynical because he feels like everybody's lied to him. You know, like he gets to play yeah. a bunch of different versions of this character, and I really think that he does uh, a great job with with that. And I really, this is the kind of role where I think he can really shine. So. Hmm. Yeah, I felt the same way. And then, you know, the occasional joke then was more acceptable, like the Glock joke. Yeah. And, you know, that was in the trailer. And, uh, you know, recall me, you know, a a teenage boy, but I thought it was funny, you know. Yeah, I thought Um, it was funny. Yeah. Also, because I like Glocks. They're awesome. Uh, Yeah. So, well, I've never shot a gun, a Glock at least. Um, I've shot some guns, but anyway, that's a whole other story. But no, (laughs) I I agree with you. I think he he was really great in the role. And and obviously this movie rests on his shoulders specifically. And I think that was fantastic. And so, um, so somebody that I only know as being Ray's mom (laughs) from, (laughs) uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, she's been in other things, but I have not really seen uh, that. Is Jodie Comer, and she plays Millie. And I, I really was interested in you know what you thought of her portrayal here uh, as this character. Oh, she was awesome, and I think that they did the costuming so well for her video game version because they make her that you know flashy like femme fatale kind of Mm -hmm. character that would draw him in but that she's also got this other side to her where once she's realized that he is an npc who's become this ai character she softens um she realizes that he's not just some guy hiding behind a keyboard that's trying to creep on her he's genuine um and then i love that they didn't give away the reveal of her realizing that it's actually always been keys that was in love with her. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that they then encourage her to go for him. Um, I, I think we talked about too, that Jody just has a really familiar looking face. I was thinking I had seen her in a lot of things, but apparently I haven't. I remember her like you do as Ray's mom. And then I know she was big for the, um, Movie or TV show, Killing Eve? Uh, TV, TV show. show. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so she looks familiar, but yeah, she was great. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that really makes her work here is that she feels so believable for the character. Um, I think, she, like you said, she plays both versions really well. You know, the the like you said, the classic video game femme fatale, uh, you know, almost a Tomb Raider, Laura Croft-like mm-hmm. type of character, uh, then crossed with, you know, this kind of jilted and cynical video game designer whose life has been ruined, you know, and is just trying to prove that, you know, her life has been ruined. And mm-hmm. and in many ways, too, uh, you know, she has that where, she, you know, her best friend has kind of been taken away from her in some ways, too. Since her and Keys worked so closely together for all those years, you know, she doesn't have that support system really either. So it's just her. And yeah, I mean, I really loved the chemistry with her and Ryan Reynolds, but I also felt like, and, and obviously just as important for the storyline that we get, she has such a great uh, chemistry with Joe Keery, uh, who, again, I thought he was great in this movie because he wasn't mm-hmm. just doing what we've seen. I felt like in Stranger Things, he was playing uh, a different type of character, and I, I didn't just think of that role. I just bought him as being this guy you know and so i really mm-hmm. like him and stuff and, and i hope he'll continue to get more roles because this was this was really fun although i will say you know i know how dreamy all the women love his hair and everything but it's like mm-hmm. he also is going to need to to be able to do different things with that otherwise he will always just feel slightly similar someone's gonna try to shave his head that's what you're saying <laughs> yeah um yeah no i thought that he was really great here as keys um i think that like you said he had good chemistry with jody and that you needed that in order for the them to work as sort of her bouncing off of him and guy um and he does actually really lean into this and become so much more than the character he's been so known for from stranger things he's completely different here and i like I thought it was so funny how they lean into the, you know, aspect of skins in a game, how you can, you know, change out your look and everything. Him dressing up as the cop with the 70s oh, yeah. mustache. Great. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. Um, and he's just really funny, but, you know, also dreamy. So, yeah, I was glad to see him. And actually, I don't know if uh, you knew this, Matt, but he was brought into this movie because Sean Levy was working on it. And that's who worked, you know, directed Stranger right. Things. Yeah, no, I saw that. And I'm glad that they brought him in. I think that he works. And, and partly because, you know, he and Jodie Comer, you know, they have a younger look and, and the idea of these kind of being these younger game designers who are these whiz kids who are going to kind of revolutionize gaming. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of get completely screwed over uh, by Antoine. And this was was fantastic. And so, no, I, I thought that was great. And, and, you know, the more important part of that, too, is that he had great uh, chemistry with the guy who played Mouser as well and I thought you know that really worked because they had their own relationship that yeah. then when he had his relationship with Antoine there was that you you felt like there was going to be some tension at some point right that he was going to right. have to make a choice and so got, again I just think it was it was good casting all around there um, but yeah Little Rel like you said playing Buddy I, he 
felt like a cartoon character, and that's exactly kind of what he's kind of supposed to be. Yeah. In the movie, but I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, he was so great, especially at portraying the innocence of Buddy and of showing that he genuinely just enjoys spending time with his best friend, that he is there for good reasons, you know, that he he sees more than Guy does in just the everyday. So I like that they're also kind of showing that you can think something is mundane and not be opening your eyes to Mm -hmm. what's right in front of you. So, yeah, yeah. he was great. He had so much heart. I love that moment they had where he says, you know, I'm sitting here helping my best friend through a tough time. Yep. Uh, And then I love, by contrast, him yelling, we're all excited and I'm not sure what it's about or, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I think that's the thing is that he does play this, this character that, you know, doesn't have a ton of range, but what he's really able to do is create something in that small round of range that he's allowed to have with the character. And so, um, and at the same time, you know, I think, you know, Taika Waititi is the perfect villain, you know, because he's just so good at being this narcissistic, self-involved jerk. I mean, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a family show, so we'll just say jerk. But I mean, you know, he's very good at playing that role and being somebody that you see is not going to have any kind of redemption arc because he doesn't care, you know, about anybody but himself. Um, He only cares about getting found out. I think that he really just makes that work. And so... Yeah, he's so good at being, you know, compared to Brady Player One, the same as like the Ben Mendelsohn character of mm-hmm. yep. he wants to run everything. He doesn't want to get found out. And that's he just cares about that and money. I mean, you know, when he yep. says to um, Keys, he's like, all that matters in life is numbers. You need me. And they prove that they don't. And, you know, that if, if all that if that's all you ever care about that it's going to continue to take you lower and lower until you're mm-hmm. nothing. Yep. 100%. No, I, I think couldn't have said it better myself. And so, you know, when we were talking about the kind of, some of the ideas for the movie, I was really surprised to kind of see almost this creation fall redemption type of story in there. Very like almost spiritual. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I love, you know, that, the story is that, you know, these two people kind of create this perfect world for people to experience. You end up with this, you know, devil character who kind of comes in and ruins it, twists it around, turns everything that was supposed to be good into things that he thinks people wants. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't really want in the end, because what does everybody find, you know, when guy starts doing good, like that, maybe, maybe, maybe we think about all this all wrong, you know? And so it's not until, you know, true love will enter the, the picture that everything changes. And I think there is just something really beautiful about that. And it's a theme that you'll see over and over again in many different types of movies, uh, because it's such a strong narrative, um, from all the way from the Bible and on onward. I mean, you will see this kind of arc all over the place. And so I was really surprised to kind of see how that plays out uh, in the movie because it also plays out in the relationship between Jody and Keys. Because 
she has kind of fallen in love with the copy. Oh, and, yeah. And has exchanged the copy for the real thing until she realizes it's really the real thing that loves her. And she she loves that real thing back. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really beautiful. Uh, you know, just like, it, again, super, super deep, super, super spiritual. And I had no idea that it was going to be in this movie. But those two things and those two thematic elements just blew my mind when I put those together. Yeah, I di- I'm glad you mentioned that as far as the, the spiritual reference of just the creation and then, you know, that getting twisted into something grotesque. Um and really becoming a, a selfish place. Um, I just didn't put all of that together in that way before. So I, I definitely agree on that. And even how it looks when Guy is trying to run toward the end of the bridge as mm-hmm. if you're literally going the stairway to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> nice way to put it. I love that. It's the stairway <laughs> yeah. to heaven. Absolutely. The bridge to heaven. <laughs> the bridge to heaven. It's not the bridge to nowhere. It's the bridge to heaven. Um, yeah. I no, that's absolutely. Uh, it's a great way to put it. No, I love that, and and that you know, so much of our world has been about like turning things upside down, and we we continually are trying all of these things, and they're not making us happy. They're not making us fulfilled, mm-hmm. and in the end, it maybe it's because we've let go of what should be our first love. You know, and so anyway, I don't want to get yeah. super, super philosophical and deep on, uh, and spiritual there, but because it could go real deep. But now yeah. I just was surprised. And so um, I wanted to ask you this before we got to the music, because it was something that was, it, it, I, I, I think is worth discussing. The look and the feel of the movie. Were you ever taken out of the movie at all because of the fact that so much of this is CGI or because the conceit that we're in a video game world helped you buy the fact that it wouldn't always look quote unquote real. For the most part, it worked really well for me. Um, the only thing that took me out of it was the effects of Ryan Reynolds face on the wrong body. Yeah. Yes. That's the one thing that I was like, Oh, uh, just the way you did it does not look mm-hmm. good. It's yeah. weird. Yep. No, I agree with you. Uh, I okay. think that that's a part of the movie too. You know, the fact that that he wasn't something that they had been able to finish. You know, and it's just like it is this monstrosity. It is the very definition of kind of what we were just discussing. This idea of like the thing that has taken what is good and like destroyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely no. I, but the dialogue for him was hilarious oh, was in great. showing the unfinished nature of it. It was like order, laughter, ha! Yeah, catchphrase. Um, yeah, no, I 100 percent agree with you uh, on that. I, and I, I think that's one of the things that the movie does really well in the sense that it uses the conceit of the fact that we're in the video game world. And so therefore you are not expecting mm-hmm. everything to look quote unquote real all the time. And I think they did a really great job of that. Um, and I really had fun with some of the gags, of course, that they end up having with that fight between him. You know, when he pulls up the lightsaber and, Oh yeah. Out, you know, and of course, you know, the fact that this is the first movie, I think if I read, if I read correctly, well, you know, that, came under Disney after they bought 
20th Century Fox, so you can have all these Disney references in there, like yep. Star Wars and Avengers and everything, and then even mm-hmm. just having uh, Chris Evans come in. What the? F- <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was great. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I thought all that really worked. Um, there was one other um, thing that I was going to tell you um, that I loved that they added as well with making you immersed in this as a video game world. I love that they made the choice at the one point where they shut down the server of actually your entire screen in the theater Mm -hmm. being a buffering video game screen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like the fact that they just went for it. And you're like, if you've ever gamed before, you know that feeling of like, okay, come on. (laughs) Like you're hoping for the best and you don't know what's going to happen. Please don't lose my save point. Yeah. Exactly. Buffering. Yeah, it's so uh, good. the worst. No, I agree with you. That I think that's one of the places where they did a great job of, you know, bringing all this together. Uh, so, obviously, uh, some fun music in the movie, you know, with Mariah Carey and those kind yes. of things. How did, how did you end up liking the use of the soundtrack? Uh, well, Vintage Mariah Carey is actually one of my ringtones. Not that song, but... Uh, yeah, so the fact that Mariah Carey's fantasy was the main theme in this movie thrilled me from the get-go with previews to then seeing it in action um, and little references to it was great. Um, and it fits so well with, you know, this being a fantasy world. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that they had a lot of good musical references and a good score that fits with it being a video game movie. Yeah. No, I agree too. I thought that they had, you know, they they chose just the the right kind of like needle drops at the right time. Uh, I loved them uh, fighting to make your own kind of music, which was yeah. really fun. You know, uh, I love when they're in his lair, and it's not the fight scene, uh, but it's that Channing Tatum shows up, and he, you know, he's playing the guy who's in his mom's you know, house and everything. Yeah, that was so good. Talking about how there is a God and his mom's vacuuming his room. Like, you're living in my house. You're 22. There is no God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was good. It was great. So, well, I'm excited because, you know, I feel like we've had a really great conversation about the movie. And so what I'm fascinated to see then, you know, because we've, I feel like we've really only had good things to say about the movie for the most part where you'll land then with your ratings for free guy so i really honestly i give it a four out of five um bubble suits because that was my favorite thing um because it's really got a lot of unexpected going for it and like you and i said some really deep themes that you don't know are coming and um I think that it's also really benefits it that it's a small cast and that it was people that are recognizable. Um, not super the case with Jodie Comer as much, but still someone we were familiar with enough. Um, but, you know, like you said, if Ryan Reynolds and um, Jodie weren't cast well, then that wouldn't have done very well for this movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would watch it again. Four out of five. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm honestly just right there with you. Uh, I was so surprised by how much that I liked this movie because I, I went in thinking that I was going to like it. But to actually come out of it with, you know, all of the themes that we had here 
was fantastic. Like I just didn't expect it at all. Uh, and I really do feel like this movie is one of the better movies that's come out this year uh, in the sense of like, if you want to, you know, take your, you know, 10 to, you know, teen, teenage kid onward, you know, the whole, the rest of the family off to the, the movies and you want to have a really good time together, this is the movie to go see. So if you're looking mm-hmm. for the movie to go see, go see this. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'd give this four out of five stars as well. This is just, I had an absolute blast with Free Guy. And I'm just 100% excited, honestly, to watch it again. Like, I haven't, I really mm-hmm. wanted to see it again this weekend and didn't have an opportunity to. And I'm I'm looking forward to to that. And so... Yeah, I'm, you know, for the movies that we have talked about this year, even the movies that I feel like I've seen this year, there's been some disappointments that I've had and it's been frustrating. So I'm, I was shocked that this movie did disappoint me in any way. In fact, it exceeded my expectations, which was fantastic. So, um, Mm -hmm. well, uh, now that uh, we've gotten through the movie, Christy, of course, it's time for our recommendations, and I am super excited to see what you are going to recommend for our listeners. Yeah, so this one is something that a friend introduced me to, albeit uh, originally because it stars Tom Hiddleston, and you know, I'm always up for something Tom Hiddleston, but... I started watching The Night Manager, which is a new original series on Amazon Prime. So you've seen it. Oh, it's (laughs) phenomenal. Uh, I'm still only on like episode four, I think. Um, But it is so unexpectedly great. Um, It is a drama. So, of course, you know, it's not going to be like free guy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But it's got... Tom Hiddleston and Hugh Laurie as the main two characters. Um, They work really well together. And I love that it's sort of this Bond-esque story of a guy that unintentionally gets wrapped up in some crazy stuff. And now he's undercover. Um, So, yeah, I highly recommend checking out The Night Manager. Mm. Oh, man, I loved that series so much. It's one of the best I've seen. It it is so good, so I hundred percent agree with you. Um, I'm going to recommend because it is uh, it is just come back out. It's just started again, but Titans, uh, the DC Titans over there on HBO Max is back for season three, and goodness, season three has started off so strong. So hmm. I cannot recommend uh, like any more checking that out it's been fantastic and some serious shockers too uh so just get ready folks um but yeah dc titans back on hbo max i i highly recommend uh checking that out so well christy uh if people want to catch up with you where can they find you you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then, of course, on Facebook, um, I'm usually in the Babel Conference, uh, of course, under my name, Christy. And then when I'm not here on 602 Club, I also have a show called Sabres and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa. Uh, we just started posting some more content from Amanda's Geek Wedding 
that happened last week. I was gone all week to Chicago, so um, that's why you missed me last week, but I'm back now. Um, so stay tuned for that in our next episode of Geek Stuff that's a little more niche than we usually get to cover. Well, awesome. Um, you could find me, of course, uh, all over the place under Matt Rushing 2 On social media, you could find me here on the network uh, doing the Orb, as well as Literary Treks. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. And then, of course, over on the Nerd Party Network, doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills, talking about Star Wars each and every week. And then finished up Outpost with Drea Kaufman as we talk about Harry Potter one chapter at a time. And that's pretty evergreen show. You can listen to that anytime, uh, wherever you are in the books. Even if you've never read the books, you can still listen to the podcast so it's really fun so i hope you'll check that out but thank you of course as always for joining us and catchphrase you hear <laughs> <laughs>